Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Evening Jones. So, as like things have evolved in my life, I've come to understand that like I got to be a little more careful when I tell you about like things that have just happened or like I used to put weird things up that I saw like on Instagram, but like now it's more likely that the person knows who I am. It gets a little complex and I had to be like, yo, I got like, is it right of me to just be putting people up on the summer jam screen like that? Like, I don't even necessarily think of it in that way, but you know, I've had to have a different vantage on these things. You kind of have to come to terms uh, with some of the realities of like, you know, what your position is and things. And so I try to be kind of careful because, you know, I won't be like banging on people. I'm banging in this case. It won't be banging, but like, I don't want to be banging on people. And then they turn on the podcast and they've been banged on. And you know, they might, they might kind of fuck with me. They might rock with me or whatever it is. And then they come on here and they get banged on. Like, I don't want to do that to people. Like, it just feels kind of mean. And, uh, you know, I ultimately disappoint. And I don't like to disappoint people that have an affection for me in one way or another. I guess it's, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the little things about me, right? I don't care that much about what y'all think, but I do care about the way that most people feel. Anyway, let me tell you what happened when I was out the other day. So I'm sitting down. I'm having breakfast. I got headphones on. I carry a Kindle with me now. Great idea, by the way. Right. Like if you're one of those people to find themselves looking at the phone too much, especially when you're like on the subway or public transportation of some sort, um, you know, give your eyes a break off that blue screen and get you a Kindle. Right. Knocked out a book lab, knocked out that Aretha Franklin biography. I just started a new book on uh, it's called How Music Became Free, How Music Got Free. One of the two I can't even really remember, but it's about how the MP3 kind of picked up and stuff like that. You know, so you might want to consider that, man. Uh, the phone told me that my screen usage was down some crazy percentage level. Anyway, so I'm at my table. I'm sitting by myself. Got the headphones on, listening to a playlist, reading off the Kindle. And the next thing I know, like, I felt like this jab. Like in the in the chest shoulder area, the AC joint, right? Like not like a like a full on punch jab, but you know, like a little jab. So I look up, right? I'm a little startled, and I got music playing, you know. And I ain't got over ear headphones on, but it's clear I got something up in my ear, right? So I look up, and it's this dude, and I guess he just kind of just wanted to like dab me up or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, well, yo, I appreciate it, but I was still a little. Little jittery. He's like, oh, yeah, I scared you. He's like, yeah, yeah, you did. You did. I had to be like, hey, man, don't do it like that. You know, like, I, I, I'm kind of just like, as FYI, future reference, in case you wind up in a similar situation. Don't, don't, don't do it like that. But I don't know if the message was resonating. He's like, oh, you're a funny dude. I'm like, I, I don't really understand what the joke is, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to let you know that, like, this ain't the way to do it. All right. And so, anyway, it goes on for a couple more seconds. And my man hits me with, well, all right, cool. Uh, I'm going to just step outside, wait a couple minutes. And uh, then I can get a picture with you. And I'm like, what? Yeah, he's, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait outside for a couple minutes, get a picture with you. And... um. Like, the thing is, I was, like, really, like, ready to leave. 
Like I wanted to leave right then. And said, so my man say he going to be there for a couple of minutes. So I'm like, huh, how many minutes in this case is a couple? Right? How long can I like stall this out? But no, nah, I had somewhere to be. So I get up and I walk out. And my thought is, all right, when I get out of here, I'm going to the left. And when I go to the left, Subway is right there on the corner. So I can just go down on the ground and I'll be good, right? Maybe he's set up to the right. Nah, my dudes and ladies. He was set up right at the door. And I'm like, I, you know, because in fact, when he said he's going to wait, I'll be outside. I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I said. I was like, yeah, bro, I'm going to holler at you. But I realized after the fact that that was ambiguous. I really meant like, yo, I'm I'm going to holler at you, man. Like, like it's rap, but I didn't make that clear. So I come out and my man's there. But when I walk out the place and I start walking toward him, because I'm like, all right, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Um, his lady saw me because he was there with his woman. And by the way, props to this dude. At least he walked up himself and didn't send his woman. Because please understand, these dudes be sending their women to come, like, ask if I'll take a picture with them. You think I'm lying. I assure you I am not. So anyway, I saw his lady. And the thing that happens when these dudes, like, do this and they see me out and they with their girlfriends like nine times out of 10, man, she don't know who I am. She has absolutely no idea who I am. So they really can't figure out like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's a dude posted up in a hoodie in this spot. Like in sweats. Pretty sure I was in sweats. You know what I'm saying? She don't look like, like this, this is like bizarre as hell to her. Anyway, so I see her and a look on her face. She was she very much so appreciated that I was going to take this picture. And she looked a little bit mortified by the whole situation. But I took the picture. And then I went on about my business. And this is all I'm saying. I don't even know what to say. I feel like the story tells the story. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah, yeah. Try not to touch me back. <laughs> I think that's fair. Anyway, let us go to your questions. Salt or sugar on your grits? Choose wisely. You know, I'm generally of the mindset that you do what you do. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you like something, you should absolutely do it. I feel like the Twitter culture, the chastising people for how they eat their food is a little whatever, you know? 
Like we all got our things where we like, you know, whatever. Don't nobody feel like being chastised for what they like. I get that. However, if you are a sugar in my grits person, I don't want to say nothing bad about your mama, but you got there because of how you were raised. Now, you could probably make the same argument for those of us who grew up not eating sugar in our grits, and that's fine. However, I'm talking about y'all right now. And if you got sugar in your grits, I guess that was just how you was raised. And, and I would just note, that if that was how you were raised, what's your grill look like? What's your grill look like? Because I just feel like you was raised with a super high sugar diet. And that's not conducive with great dental care. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm no shade here. I'm just curious. You guys with the sugar in your grits. Did y'all grow up like drinking a whole lot of Kool-Aid? Cause like, like, and I'm saying this for real. Like my mom was really not much on letting the kids have a whole lot of sugar. I don't know how much of that was about like the sort of life that she wanted us to have or about a health thing, or she just wasn't about to have kids all hopped up on sugar. I don't know, but that was just me. So I didn't grow up in a house with a whole bunch of Kool-Aid and we didn't do a lot of we didn't do no sugar on the grits. And while my teeth were awfully crooked for a while, not no more. While my teeth were awfully crooked for a while, they were all there standing tall, living strong. Because we ain't do stuff like have sugar in our grits. By the way, I've been trying to cut down on sugar in my life and I have cut down greatly on the amount of sugar in my life because I had reached a point where I was eating just consuming way too much sugar like I was drinking a lot of soda I cut soda out I don't really do that no more I do it like a little but not a lot um, you know cut down on kind of like my sweet consumption and stuff like that eat more fruit you know I'm trying to get myself a little writer man am I the only person who has tried to do this and realize it is incredibly difficult Like, cutting sugar is hard. Yeah, uh, Mimi says fruit is high in sugar. I'm like, yeah, but it ain't that refined sugar, right? It ain't that stuff coming off the, coming off the assembly line. Yeah, man, I had, to, I had to slow down on this stuff, man. Let me tell you, it is harder than it looks. So, like, if you're trying to fight that fight, I'm right there with you, man. Good luck. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got here. Do you think the number of people who go to church consistently is going down significantly compared to past generations, or is church still popping? Buddy, you need to send that question to somebody who has set foot in the church in the last 10 years. When's the last time I went to church that didn't involve somebody getting married or somebody getting buried? That must have been when I was engaged because she did the church thing, so I'd occasionally go do that with her. 
I do remember once she asked me and she was like, so when do you think you'll start going to church by yourself? And I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. All right. No disrespect if that's what you into, but that ain't, uh, that ain't been my bag. That ain't going to be my bag. So yeah, I don't know. I guess the number of people going to church is going down. If for no other reason than the internet is allowing people to watch church from home. And by the way, allowing people to give their money without going there. Whereas the church there don't care nearly as much about whether you actually bring your ass in there. If you already gave them your route number and your account number, they're like, show, don't show, whatever. We taking this percentage out your check. And yeah, that's what some people is out here doing. Somebody said, can we hear the engagement story? I don't really know what the story is. I used to date a woman and I then one time asked her to marry me. And then we didn't get married. But she did say yes. Wow. In case y'all want to know why I don't tell y'all nothing, that little bit of thing <laughs> has got some of y'all in the chat room like, ooh, give me some more. No. Anyway, appreciate the question. What we got here? How hard is it to keep humble with the success you've reached and the haters you've attracted? I'm sorry. Who said I was humble in the first place? Like, I'll be honest with you. I don't really feel like the things that I have done are in line with my belief of like the things that I am capable of doing. So it's going to take a while before I get to a point of exceeding how it was that I felt about myself in the first place. That's just kind of what we got. Like when I was in college, we had these two twins that came into school my freshman year cats from New Orleans. The girls really, 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 really liked the two twins, right? They really, really dug them. Um, and one of them pledged Kappa sophomore year, and then he crossed. And I was talking to somebody who they were talking about how that dude's ego was going to be out of control after he crossed Kappa. And I was like, no disrespect, but, like, them cats is cool, but I feel like it's going to take a whole lot more than becoming a Kappa to make that dude like think differently of himself, like make like, 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 like becoming a Kappa is not going to take him to a place of what he thought of himself already. And by the way, I respect that on his end. That's how he feel. I ain't had no problem with it. I'm just telling you, sometimes people think, man, Oh, now he got this thing. He going to start thinking something different about himself. Don't assume that that person hadn't already come to terms with the fact that they were capable of way more than this. They look at that Kappa like, man, Kappa gonna start thinking they arrogant. Now that I, he, I said, there was only one of them that crossed. He was like, yo, Kappa gonna start thinking they arrogant because they got me. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else you got here. Ebo or Yoruba? The better question would be Louisiana or Oklahoma, because that's where my parents are from. Does anyone have more classic albums than Jay-Z? Do you mean like in rap or like just in music? Because my reaction to uh, this question is going to depend greatly on your answer to that 
do you mean in rap or in music? Because also you said classic albums. If you had said classic singles, we might have been in a place to have an interesting discussion. Classic albums? Yes, there are people in rap who have more classic albums than Jay-Z. Um, do you just want to go solo or can we bring groups into this? Now, if you just want to go solo, Kanye West has more classic albums than Jay-Z. And by the way, for this discussion, I think Jay-Z has two classic albums. Reasonable Doubt and Blueprint. I think he's got a couple that are right close, but don't get there. For me, those would be Volume 1, um, American Gangster, and the Black Album. Those are the ones that are close, but don't quite make it there for me. Okay? So I'm giving it two, and you could try to fudge around. It's like basically kind of two in the puzzle. Somebody said 444, not a classic. Uh, I never really gave it the time, so it might be. So I don't want to, like, poo-poo that record. It might be. Um, Outkast got more classics than Jay-Z does. Eric B. and Rakim got more classics than Jay-Z does. Public Enemy got more classics than Jay-Z does. EPMD got more classics than Jay-Z does. KRS-One in various incarnations has more classics than Jay-Z does. Um, if you count Kill at Will as an album, though it was only an EP, I can say that Ice Cube has more classic albums than Jay-Z does. And with me and Cube, I do not think The Predator and Lethal Injection are classics. Close but no cigar on both of those. Uh, Scarface got more classic albums than Jay-Z does. And the three that I have, little four, I think Scarface has four. Mr. Scarface is back, The Diary, Last of a Dying Breed, which you can say is not a classic, honestly, because it's not nearly widely accepted enough in that way, but it's just as good. And, of course, The Fix. So we got them cats. Um, one could argue Lil Wayne has as many classic albums as Jay-Z does. Sure can. The Roots, I guess it kind of depends on where you are, but do you want more uh, LF Half-Life things fall apart? I think those are pretty like widely considered that we go into the space of calling them classics. De La Soul, it kind of depends on how you feel about De La Soul is dead, which I don't love. But three feet high and rising, Dallas Ola's dead. If that's the one you want to rock with, stakes is high. It's a pretty decent classic run. Too short, born to Mac. Too short in the house, getting it out of number ten. Those are those are there, those are there. Anyway, the fact that we can say this so easily means, dude, you Jay Z people, man. Only thing worse than y'all is the M and M's. Appreciate the question. Let's see what we got here. Have you ever crowd surfed slash Dave Jai at a concert? Dude, I'm a sports talk show host. I don't front a grunge band. You see Candace Owens and Cornell West going at it. How much was Wes Trippin going on there to debate with her? I have a serious question about this. Why in the world is he doing this? Because, look, I, I I doubt very seriously that Fox News is paying him to be there. All right? And normally, I would think that somebody like Cornell West would honestly be far too arrogant 
to go on a show like that and have Candace Owens talking to him the way that she does. I am I don't understand what he's going for here. Like I don't really know what his end game is. I haven't paid that much attention to him in quite a while, but I don't I don't know what game it is that he is going for and that he is trying to play. But I don't see how it is that he could continue to show up for this before he finally gets on TV and just loses his damn mind. Appreciate the question. Let's see what we got here. Besides shoes, what do you like to indulge in now that you got some bills in your pocket? None yet. There we go. Do you ever see yourself taking the Uber helicopters now that they would be available from Midtown? Yeah, so peep game on this. You will be able to take an Uber helicopter for 200 bucks from Midtown to get you to JFK. Now, if you've ever had to ride out to JFK, you have certainly wished that there would be a helicopter that could take you there, right? Like, apparently, to get you there in eight minutes, and absolutely, right? I can see that, the math on that being worth it for some people to make that move. Here's the thing, though. I don't live in Midtown. I don't live there. So if the traffic is enough that I feel like I need to catch a $200 chopper ride in order to get there on time, then that means I probably just need to start going straight to the airport anyway. That's just me. And see, what gets me about this is it's a flex of sorts. I'm going to take a helicopter to JFK. I can absolutely see the flex in that. However, I feel like the flex is kind of mitigated by the fact that you did it on Uber. Like everybody got Uber dog. Like, don't get me wrong. $200 is a lot of money, but, uh, from what I've seen people discuss on the internet about the $200 dates, it ain't really impressing nobody. And that's outside of New York. I'm just saying you probably should just do a little better job with your time and head out a little bit earlier. Appreciate the question. Let's see what we got here. Oh, here we go. Team Axelrod, Team Rhodes, or Team They. Um, I don't know how many of y'all watch Billions, but I do have to say, and I'm not simply saying this because I'm cool with uh, Brian Kaufman. Season finale of Billions was pretty damn fantastic. Like, it, it was incredibly done. And, I mean, I find now, and, and I don't know, I don't watch a whole lot of television and maybe this is just an evolution of what kind of person I am. But, um, man, I'd be really disliking most of the characters on television shows I watch. Like, when I was watching Insecure, a.k.a. the Black Civil War, I got to look at it and realize I don't like nobody on this show. And I wonder if it's me, because then I got into watching Billions. And granted, Billions in the show doesn't necessarily going to make you like people. But I find myself with so many more people that I dislike on Billions at every turn, right? Like, I really dislike that Wendy Rhodes. She make my booty itch. I can't stand her. I don't really like the Bobby Axelrod cat. Your man Chuck seemed like a sucker for the longest. Chuck daddy. I was just glad that he wasn't my daddy. You know, like, it was was hard for me to come around and find people that I liked on that show. 
except for that Taylor Mason. I'm all about Taylor Mason. I don't have a great explanation as to why it is I rock with Taylor Mason the way I do, but I rock with Taylor Mason. And I actually think that the reason that I rock with Taylor Mason is Taylor Mason, I feel like, is the one person who is as they present themselves to be. Shout out to me for getting the they right. High five? Anybody? Okay. Sorry, just learning something new. I don't mean to be patronizing, but it's a little different. Um, but anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I hate that Boy Scout U.S. attorney. I can't stand him. There's a whole lot of people I don't like on there. Tell you what I do like, though. All the brown-skinned women, they all, what's up? But anyway, by the end of the finale, I'm down with Chuck. I'm down with Chuck's daddy. I'm still down with Taylor. Way down on Axelrod, though, man. Way down on Axelrod. And I'm way down on that damn Wendy Rhodes. She the worst. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't, I don't know how much this applies to all of them, the rest of the world, what your experience is. I can't really speak to none of that. But I can tell you this from where I'm sitting right now, okay? You ready? If I've learned anything from watching Billions, I ain't really trying to be out here dating no therapist, dog. You can't win. They got all the tricks. Nah, man. She out there yo-yoing Chuck. She know, man, she know all his week. Nah, bro. I don't want that. Somebody out here talking about I know spoilers. You can get the fuck out of here if you want. Ain't nobody really giving you no spoiler, at least from me. But you can roll. That's cool. I already got your click. That was mean. I'm sorry. I just hate no spoiler guy. Do you hear that progress, guys? Do you hear that progress? I personally think I'm getting better. Oh, let me see what else we got here. Somebody in the chat room said, I'm humble. Yeah, that's right. Humility is my greatest quality. Somebody said, dang, you apologize. I really ain't got no problem with apologizing. That's not really my, that's not really my cross to bear. I apologize if I think I did something wrong. I just ain't do nothing wrong because you said so. Like, that's a ridiculous standard. People forget just how mean Stevie is on drums, huh? Yeah, so I came across this video of Stevie Wonder on the drums that I had never seen before. It's like, Stevie, this is like in like late teen Stevie era and he sits down at the drum kit and I'd known that Stevie was a good drummer. Stevie plays drums on, you know, a lot of those uh, Stevie records. Um, I am not like the best at telling you like drummer stuff. I don't know that nearly as well, but I know enough to know that Stevie got a lot of Max Roach in his drumming, man. They walked Stevie over to that drum kit and Stevie was killing it, killing it. And the most amazing part of it was he didn't look down at those drums, not even one time. Nope. He didn't look at them once. He usually his head was up and he was killing it. It was amazing. Like legit amazing. And it wasn't like he went over there, kind of started playing the drums and then like worked into the solo. Nah, he got there immediately 
he was immediately ready to go. It was pretty damn amazing. By the way, Mimi, do you work for the uh, people doing the uh, Black Icons of Podcast and Adventure? You're here doing all the promo. I'm doing some event on Monday night, uh, June, I think, 17th in Soho. It's Black Icons Podcast. And sit down with me. Uh, Rebecca Carroll's going to be doing it. As of this moment, I can't remember the name of the place, but you can Google it. You get there. I don't always be doing the best promo on this stuff because I'll never know which one of y'all going to show up. Anyway, somebody here said someone should have rearranged uh, Stevie's drum set. Stevie would have known. Just letting you know that wouldn't work. Appreciate the question. I think I'll indulge this. Besides Big and Pac still being with us, what's your rap? What if Mount Rushmore? If I, I got DLC not getting in the accident, but JBJ if Big was alive, Kanye and Jay not beefing. Will we have watched the Throne three? Though I feel like we skipped over two. And what would rap be if the South didn't win? Wow, those are really broad um, that you threw out there. Let me see if I might be able to indulge you uh, with one or two, I suppose. Uh, I think one for me is what if NWA doesn't break up? Now, your cube doesn't leave NWA. What direction does NWA go in? Because think about this: the Chronic is like an artifact that you're gonna put in a time that like you could put in a time capsule to describe like post riots LA. Now you imagine the Chronic with Cube and Ren. Right. All right. So that's a good what if. Uh, that's another what if. This is a slightly different what if, but still kind of interesting. What if Redman and Keith Murray had gone with Paris Smith and Dots Effects had gone with Eric Sermon? So Eric Sermon got his thing cracking with the Death Squad. The Hit Squad did not quite go the same way with Paris Smith. Yeah, I'm just thinking these things off the top of my head, so you're just going to have to give me some measure of indulgence as I try to come up with this. I think I'm doing a lot as it is. Uh... Here's one for now. What if Pimp C was still alive? I'd love to hear Pimp C and what he had to say about it. I'd love to see Pimp C tweet. God, I'd love to see Pimp C tweet. That would be amazing. And if you need one more. In my head, I'm just kind of like going all over the map and just like thinking of cities and what might have popped in whatever place at a given point in time. Also, what if Too Short never moves to Atlanta? There's levels to that. If you don't know what they are, somebody else is going to have to explain them to you. But I feel like some of y'all hear that and are like, yo, what a great question. Uh, oh, by the way, I see Rick DeRulo over here says that Jay never did retire. That's not true. Jay retired. There's a clear line of demarcation between his work before 2003 and after 2003, even if all we're talking about is the frequency with which he released albums. 
right? But I mean, he put out an album, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. Like all bang, 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 bang. You could not get away from Jay-Z in that stretch. And some of them were fairly obvious money grabs. Uh, Post Kingdom Come, there's been a lot more care taken in putting together all of those albums. He's no longer making albums to sell as much as he's making albums for himself. I don't think there's any doubt that he definitely raps now like somebody who's doing it for fun. You know what he's kind of like? This is the best way to put it. Uh, you know them cats that retire from the military and they'll get then go get other jobs? Like, they did retire. But they go get other jobs. Does that make sense? Appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got here. Somebody asked me if I uh, heard the new Jim Jones album. I have not heard the new Jim Jones album. But I told y'all I used to live in the uh, same building as Jim Jones, right? Mimi says she sees my tonsils. I don't know what a tonsil looks like. That also tells me you're looking way close. Uh, But, yeah, he's living in the same building with Jim Jones. I know. It's funny to me, too. Hubby surprised me with a fall cruise. I had to tell him your whole ship story. Hilarious. Thanks. Oh, that story is absolutely hilarious. And guess what? I just guaranteed that while you may be going on that cruise with him, he is not going to be so keen on you going on a cruise with anybody else. Whole new world opened up in his mind that he had never even considered. Appreciate the question. Oh, this is a good one. Lee Daniels wants us to believe Precious was a comedy. All right. I want to start this by saying I have not seen Precious, but I did read the interview where Lee Daniels said that he watched Precious and he found himself busting up laughing at different points. And I think he ascribed that to some like this is how black people cope type thing. And maybe he's right. I don't know. That seems like a little bit Jack Leg psychology, but whatever. But no, nah, that's what he said. He said he could watch it. And there were moments where it was a comedy. And I got to tell you. Lee Daniels is not the first person to tell me that they watched Precious and they thought it was funny. Isn't there some scene with some chicken in that movie? Do I have that right? Isn't there a scene, a prominent scene with the chicken? Because I had a few people tell me they thought that chicken scene was funny. I think Lee Daniels did a lot of people a favor at that point. And here's why. I think Lee Daniels did a lot of people a favor because sometimes there are things that maybe on the front end were not intended to be funny, but then you watch them and they are funny. And then you wind up feeling guilty because you are laughing at something where the topicality is obviously not funny, but it was presented by the filmmaker in a way that made you laugh. And when that happens, I feel as though that is the fault of the filmmaker and not the viewer, right? So apparently, if you laughed at the chicken scene in Precious, 
it's okay. And it's okay because Lee Daniels, who has something to do with the movie, he said he saw it and thought it was funny. Okay? And good on Lee Daniels for telling people that it's okay for them to laugh at it, right? And I, given that, I wish, and let me look up this person's name. I want to make sure I get it right. I wish Brian Gibson would come out and do the same thing. Now, I don't know. Well, sorry, sorry. I should have Googled sooner. Brian Gibson, unfortunately, cannot give this interview that I would like him to give because he is not here. But if he was, damn, this just messes everything up. Like, I was going into quasi-dangerous territory anyway. But anyway, Brian Gibson was the director of this movie. That was critically acclaimed. Got a nomination for Best Actress and Best Actor. Um... And that movie was called What's Love Got to Do With It? It is, in a lot of ways, a uh, hallmark moment in cinema. It also had some moments where I'm not sure if what the director was going for is what was communicated and what was received by the moviegoer. Some things came across in ways that I feel like if they had it to do over, it wouldn't be the same. I think they would have gone for a different Emotional resonance. Now, Brian is in the chat room and he says, I feel so bad for laughing. And what I'm trying to tell you is if you laughed at those scenes, it might not be your fault. Because if you laughed at those scenes from Precious, Lee Daniels, he made the movie and he laughed. It's on him. It's not necessarily on you. Woo! That was some of my most impressive work. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. I mean, dude, when I found out that that dude had died, 
like I was setting this up on the fly. Like as you guys know, it's not like I got notes or anything like that. I don't plan anything I talk about. I just kind of go, which could be a very risky sort of proposition, right? That's why you'll notice that if I got any twinge of I don't know if I should do this, I'm probably not going to be inclined to do this. But in the moment, man, I was just having this moment. It felt like almost like a level of ingenious thought, man. I was like, man, I was going to build it up. I was going to tell you who that dude was. You're like, damn, who's he? And then I was going to be like, he directed What's love got to do with it? And then you were immediately going to understand the direction I was going in. But then I found out that the dude was dead. And (sighs) couldn't give you what I wanted. Uh, Jason says, you hustled backwards pretty quick. Uh, Son, I don't think you know what hustling backwards means. I hustled forward very quickly once I realized that backward hustling was a possibility. My change of direction is impeccable. And you know what? Why chance it? Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Evening Jones. Try to do this thing about once a week. My man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you cannot watch The Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also find us at the Google Play Store. Talk to you guys soon. Lads, I got out good. <laughs> Woo, deuces. That was going to be really funny, too.